nobody's making money. It's yeah. a way for him to elevate his status, to sure. be the boss of Russian hockey. It's about ensuring national team success, just like we did in the Soviet days. And don't you guys enjoy the glory of the model? Yes, uh-huh. you do. Yes, you do. My 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 reporter buddies from Russia yeah. uh, texting me is like, why why is this such a surprise? Right, right. <laughs> it's like, we know all this stuff. <laughs> You just heard Slava Malamud, a sports writer who works mainly for Savetsky Sport and who spent 15 years as a foreign correspondent for Sport Express. On March 7th, following the controversial overtime defeat of the KHL ice hockey team Severstal Cherepovets by Ska St. Petersburg in the quarter conference finals, Malamud wrote a 21-tweet thread arguing that not just the game or the series, but the whole KHL season has essentially been rigged by Vladimir Putin's cronies to ensure that his hometown team wins the Gagarin Cup championship. The first tweet in this thread now has more than 3,700 retweets and more than 6,000 likes. I spoke to Malamud to learn more about this open secret, which he says he was baffled to learn is news to Americans. Before we get into that interview, though, I'll read his entire March 7th tweet storm, and then I'll also read the five follow-up tweets that he wrote the next day. Okay, here we go. First tweet. So here's what's happening in the KHL. For those who still can't quite grasp the banality of evil Russian style, the entire league has been set up this year to allow Ska to win. It's Putin's team, this is Putin's election year, and it's chock full of Olympians. Tweet number two. Ska is allowed to ignore the salary cap. Its payroll is six times that of an average team. It has dibs on every star who considers the KHL. Most of its players are rabid Putin supporters who took part in his campaign rally last week. I repeat, Ska must win. It's not an option. Tweet number three. There is a slight possibility of a loss if the opponent is Eska, owning to the Moscow team's legacy and the patriotic value of their potential victory, but it's a small chance. Putin wants Ska, and Ska it shall be. The KHL even has an official explanation for this. It goes like this. Allowing all the best players to concentrate in one team has created unique chemistry that transitions seamlessly to the Olympic squad. Making the KHL season easy for them has safeguarded against injuries and bad morale. This is why we won the gold. Tweet number five. Yes, the KHL isn't even denying that the entire 2017-2018 season is fake. They are simply claiming that sacrificing it for the national team's success is totally worth it. For the honor of the motherland. They are citing the Soviet model when the domestic league was also a sham. Tweet number six. However, there is a problem. In the first round of the playoffs, Ska has drawn Severstal Cherepovets. It's not a problem because Severstal isn't a strong opponent, not at all. It's an eternal minnow, which has been bad for so long the league is considering it for contraction. Tweet number seven, and this is precisely the problem. Severstal has nothing to lose and nothing to fear. If they bow out to Ska easily, it will prove the league's case that the, and the axe will swing. Giving Ska trouble may at least create enough of a scandal to make the league reconsider. Severstal is exactly in the same position as the Charleston Chiefs from the movie Slapshot, trying to stave off the seemingly inevitable demise by being a big story. Even Putin's potential wrath isn't a deterrent. You're fucked. What? You are totally fucked. You're garbage for letting us all go down the drain. 
Are you serious? If you could sell us, we're hot. People go nuts for us. You could find a buyer. I don't think you understand finance. There is also the fact that it's totally unfair to contract Seversal. Yes, it's a struggling team with bad finances, but it's had an incredible season. All things considered. Its fans are amazing. Cherepovets is basically Hamilton, moved way up north and stripped of all its famous Hamilton charm. It's steel mills, hockey, and frozen wasteland. So this brave little team from a hockey-mad industrial deathscape is being fed into Ska's maws playoff as a playoff appetizer. And it's totally refusing to go down easy. If this wasn't Russia, where evil always wins, it would have been Hoosier's Miracle on Ice and Bad News Bears all in one. But this is absolutely Russia, so this is what transpires. As Ska, most of its roster badly hungover after Putin's big election bash the day before, is about to lose game one, the refs reach for their whistles and blow hard. The penalty in minutes count is 24-0 to zero in, in Severstal's favor. Ska finally con- connects on a power play to go up 3-2, to two, only to see Severstal tie it in the last minute. No problem, though. The refs give Scott two more power plays in overtime until they finally score. In Game 2, Severstal keeps it close for a while until eventually succumbing. But in Game 3, with home fans going nuts, Severstal is giving Scott all it can handle. Now, one would think the refs would give this one to the host, just to make things plausible. At least in the, po- in the penalties per minute count, it's even this time. But the pesky underdogs take it to overtime again. Then, this happens. If you watch this video to the end, you'll notice a rather obvious case of offsides. The Severstal coach, a cynical, sarcastic dude whose interviews are borderline subversive, makes it obvious that everyone knows what's going on and challenges the goal. The play was reviewed. The replay officials saw exactly what is shown in the video. They conferred for several minutes and announced their verdict. Good goal. Forget making this look plausible. Severstal has become much more trouble than it's worth. Better get them out of the way safely. This was just too much. The above video was posted by Severstal's official Twitter account with the word winning and game-winning goal in parentheses. The fans' mentions in the tw- to the tweet are untranslatable. This, again, is all out in the open. Everyone knows what's going on, everyone, and nothing can change. Putin's pleasure and the motherland's honor are what counts. Ska must win. It is the priority. But the last frame of Severstal's little protest video declares hockey is more important. In today's Russia, this is as big of an anti-Putin protest as one can be allowed. Probably the most tragic thing about it is that Pavel Dasyuk, an amazing player and not in any way a politician, is having his name soiled by, with, with this by playing for Ska. But that's what you get when you dance with the devil. Actually, forget it. The most tragic thing is that everyone in Russia knows what's going on. The fans, the officials, the media, it's out in the open. And the people who have made it happen, all the KHL bosses are all Putin's close friends, have already announced that the system has proven effective and should continue. For the glory of the motherland, all I have to say to this, guys, if you learn nothing else from Russia, please learn to always, always run as fast as you can from the motherfuckers who say they want to bring glory to your country. I am done for tonight. The next day, Malamud published five more tweets, and I'll read them now. The first tweet in this thread says, 
Here is some additional background info on the Ska KHL Severstal thread. Ska President Gennady Timchenko is Putin's close friend. He is also the chairman of the KHL Board of Directors. Timchenko, who is under U.S. sanctions, also owns the Helsinki Jokers, another KHL team, and is reportedly invested in the Kunlun Red Star, also of the KHL. Another close childhood friend of Putin's, Boris Rotenberg, also owns a stake in the Jokers. His son, Roman Rotenberg, is Ska's vice president of marketing and runs the national team's analytics department. Roman Rotenberg also runs the KHL's team's liaison department. Another KHL boss, Sergei Narishkin, is also a Putin friend and runs Russia's foreign intelligence service. Narishkin is from St. Petersburg and is a massive Ska fan. Tweet number four says, and this is really, really nice. KHL President Dmitry Chernyshenko, formerly the head of the Sochi Organizing Committee, and now under a lifetime ban by the International Olympic Committee, is employed by Timchenko. He is the head of the investment firm created to manage Timchenko's assets. The leadership of the KHL and the leadership of SKA are very difficult to tell from one another, and both are very difficult to tell from the leadership of the Russian economy and politics. Please, guys, stop being surprised by Russia. So now let's get into my interview with Malamud. I apologize in advance for the audio quality of the recording. I spoke to Sava over the phone, and it sounds exactly like that. I'm afraid it is what it is. Anyway, the first thing I asked him was why the KHL loaded Ska St. Petersburg with all the league's best players. If it was all to secure Olympic gold in South Korea, how convincing was Russia's victory in the Winter Olympics? The idea is to uh, build chemistry <laughs> with the forward lines, um, yeah. to have them play with each other all year long. So when they transition to the national team, it's seamless, and they basically yeah. they don't have to practice together. They don't have to uh, right, right. figure out who needs to play with whom. They can yeah. just put these ready-made units out on the ice, and they're gonna mm-hmm. be uh, they're gonna know where everyone else, uh, what everyone else is on the ice. It, it, it makes a huge difference in hockey, really. Okay, and they they won, so obviously the, they paid off the scheme did or whatever. No, they they beat Germany in overtime. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it, they had by far the best roster in the Olympics yeah. because the NHL players didn't participate, and right. Germany almost beat them. It was Russia tied it up with less than a minute left, and then won in overtime on a, on a okay. power play. So it's, uh-huh. it wasn't a convincing victory, but that's all they wanted. It was just just a win. Next, I asked Malamud why the KHL decided to use this particular team, Ska St. Petersburg, as the vehicle for Russia's Olympic contenders. Well, yeah, you're right. I mean, they could have picked any team. And in fact, there's two teams who are given this preferential treatment as far as the second roster. The other one is CSKA, CSKA Moscow, which is a traditional Soviet-era giant of, yeah. of Russian hockey. Um and that team is owned by a major uh, oil company, the oil exporter in Russia, uh, who's uh, the owner of that company is one of Putin's closest friends. And mm-hmm. for Scott and Petersburg, they're owned by the biggest uh, natural gas exporter in the world. So is the, is the first one, is it Transnest or Rosneft? Uh, Rosneft. And uh, Sky is owned by Gazprom. And the president and, is Tim Chenko? Tim Chenko, who is... Uh, who is one of Putin's closest confidants. Right, right. And also happens to be the chairman of the board of directors of the KHL. And he also happens to be a real-life boss of the KHL's president, 
uh-huh. through Chernoshenko. Chernoshenko is basically his accountant. He manages Simchenko's assets. Yeah. So, as you can see, the sky is definitely set up as not just the best team in the KHL, but basically the flagship of the KHL. It, uh, but what about the other one? What about the the, the, Seska, the Moscow team? It's, all, yeah. it's also there, but it's not it, not to the same degree. Obviously, uh, they, they also get the stars, but not the stars like Kovalchuk and Datsuk and Voinov, the high-profile NHL players. Yeah, they obviously came to St. Petersburg. That's Putin's uh, hometown. This is yeah. where all the bosses are from. Right. Uh, this is a. Uh, one of the one of the major KHL bosses, Sergei Narishkin, is from, and he is also the head of the Russian Foreign Intelligence Service. Uh-huh. So obviously, this is the team that they're going to stack, and this is the team that's going they're, they're going to uh, uh, designate as the yeah. flagship team and the team that, that's going to be basically the clone of the national team. And what about Game Three in the conference quarterfinals, where Ska won on an offsides goal? What's so special about Alexander Gulyavsev, the head coach of the Severstal Cherepovets? The, the point was that he challenged the he challenged the offside call, yeah. Uh, and even though he was absolutely obviously right, right, uh, the replay officials chose to ignore that fact and just uh-huh. declared Scott winner winner of Game Three, which basically yeah. took all the suspense out of the series right there last night. Yeah, right, right. And they and, and the the league. Kind of said that they. I, I saw some articles saying that they claimed they didn't have the equipment in place. They yeah. acknowledged that it was a bad call, but now they say that like the, the teams didn't have the right cameras ready for them or something like that. Or is well, that of course, the... of course they're going to say that. But uh-huh. that, I mean that's those cameras are there. They're Severstal provided them those right. those, uh, those camera angles. Mm-hmm. So I mean. It's for me. It's very, it's very hard to swallow that kind of explanation. Nobody in Russia really believes this. Uh-huh. And then Scott says, "Well, the referee was right next to the situation, so he must have known. He, he, he had a good vantage point." Well, yeah, of course. I also asked Malamud how the KHL manages to fix these games in Scott's favor. Are the refs in on it? Do they get explicit orders to call penalties against Scott's opponents? What about Eska Moscow, the other KHL super team owned by Rosneft? Will they face off later in the playoffs? They're the number two seed, so if everything goes according to plan, that should be the Western Conference Final. Okay. And last year it was the same thing, and Ska won. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, it's, I mean, th- this is not a guarantee. It's not a stone-cold guarantee that Ska is going to win. Things happen in hockey. You know, uh-huh. Roster, no roster, friendly refs or no friendly refs. You know, Severstal almost pulled it off. Right. And Seiska is a much, much better team. So it's not a guarantee, but obviously everything everything that can be done is being done to ensure that Sky is wins the Gagarin Cup again. And everything that can be done by that you mean the roster and like what, I, maybe you maybe you know you can only speculate here, but like do you think that the refs are told sort of blatantly you know don't let them win, or is it just sort of is it all kind of an unspoken understanding? You're right, I can only speculate, but um, yeah. it just seems like, uh, well, I don't want to say seems like. It's definitely a pattern. That they, uh-huh. the, the refs have been very, very friendly. Right, and it doesn't matter where they're, wherever they play the game. It's not like a yeah. home advantage I, kind of thing. I don't think they're explicitly told. I mean, it's just my opinion. Uh, but yeah. they understand that this, right. is, this is the team that the KHL bosses own. This is the team where all the big major stars are. This is the team that brings in money to the KHL, such as it is. 
Yeah. Uh, this is a team that is very closely followed by the top people in the country. So, I mean, are you going to, knowing all that and being under the spell of all these stars and being under the spell of all that status, yeah, in a in a in a close when it's a close call, you're probably gonna blow it the right way. Uh-huh. I mean, they, they don't have to be told that, but sure, sure. You know, when 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 you have a when you have uh, it's in the third year, the score is tied. Sky is not looking like it's playing very well, and there is a there's a bump near the board. The guy runs into another guy. He falls down. They give it two and ten right away. It's a hockey right. collision. It's a Two, it's yeah. a two, two minute minor and a ten minute misconduct. And what does Scott do? Scott scores a goal, goes up three two. Supposedly right. a game winning goal, but then Severstal had to muck it all up and tie it up in the last minute. So right. they give two penalties in overtime. As soon as overtime starts, boom, boom. Actually, the first penalty was given with only a couple of seconds left in yeah. regulation when the ref said that there was a two minute man on the ice situation for Scott mm-hmm. for for Severstal. Yeah. So with only a few seconds left in the game. To ensure that Scott would have a uh, man advantage going into overtime, and then immediately after that, they give Severstal another penalty, uh-huh. and what now? Well, Scott scores. So I mean, it's it's a pattern: 24-0 on penalty minutes in game one. It's really hard to defend. Is that kind of imbalance? Was that true throughout the regular season too, or is it sort of they, they're yeah, upping? It's, yeah, it's been a big story throughout the season that the Scott gets a lot of penalty, uh, got a far far play minutes, right. and. Uh, right. As soon as there is any type of a collision involving a scuff player that looks in any way kind of a violent collision, the ref's yeah. arm goes up right away. It's automatic. Fixing games against small market teams sounds like a good way to keep fans in Moscow and St. Petersburg happy, but what about nationally? I asked Malamud if he thinks this approach is good for the KHL's business. Remarkably, he says profits aren't really what drive the league. I don't think... I mean, maybe because uh, St. Petersburg does sell a lot of tickets. They have the biggest yeah. arena. But the thing, I mean, and, and there's going to be a lot of hype, but right. um, nobody's making money in KHL. Even uh-huh. now, they're, they're not making money. They're all in the red, very deep in the red. Uh-huh. There was one season back in the very the, the dawn of the KHL when a team from Riga, Dinamo Riga, broke even. And that was a huge story. The <laughs> economic miracle. It was a financial <laughs> miracle in Riga. They're the most successful team in the history of Russian hockey. They broke even. Right. And it hasn't happened since, but this is still the big legend of Riga. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so is the, is the KHL a prestige project, or is, it there, is there yes. any hope that they will no, no, become? No. It used to be that. When Alexander Medvedev, the founder of the league, founded yeah. it, he was to build it uh, yeah, using the NHL as his model. Right. And to hopefully, eventually, at some point, to start making money off of it. But the problem yeah. is, I mean, the Russian population cannot afford the type of ticket prices that the NHL uh, charges. Yeah. They cannot afford to buy expensive merchandise. Most of the merchandise they wear is knockoff stuff. Right. They can, you know, they can't pay as much for parking. They can't pay as much for concessions. So, you know, it's just the consumer in Russia is not able to provide that type of return yeah. on investment. Right. But, but they have to pay the players top-level salaries to lure them away from other European leagues and from the NHL, potentially. So it's impossible for these teams to uh, to succeed financially. And uh, I remember when uh, Boris Rotenberg, uh, Roman Rotenberg, the, uh, one of the Putin's buddies and SCA uh, president of marketing, VP of marketing, uh, said a few years ago, you know what, this year we actually managed to break even, not counting the players' salaries. 
So basically, everything we spent on the team without the salaries, we were able to get back. But then, yeah. of course, then of course, our payroll is forty-seven million dollars, <laughs> and the payroll completely in the red. Then completely in the red. Uh huh. So, so the only logical explanation is that this is this exists to just sort of show Russia that like we can have a we have great hockey too. Is that the kind of like course, and also to provide. Uh, a very necessary uh, community service. In those cities where hockey is the only thing going. Right. Like in Cherepovets, if there is no hockey, what else are you going to do? Just sit and watch the icicles. I mean, there's, yeah. there's nothing else to do. It, it, the, all the city does is pumps out steel and has very good hockey. But Sinistral is losing money then. The, the mining company, I mean, same with Rosneft and Gazprom. This is just like, yeah. basically they're just sort of, is it, so they, do they look at it, do you think they look at it as, Social spending, or is it sort of well, for, for those well, in like in, in Magnitogorsk, where it's yeah. owned by the by the uh, Magnitogorsk steel mills? That's definitely social spending because what else are the people of Magnitogorsk going to do? It's just a benevolent thing that the yeah. that the, that the plant does for the city. Right. But for Gazprom, it's just a tax write-off. Who cares? Uh-huh. <laughs> it's, just, it's, just, it's, just, it's, it's a way to launder some money. It's a way to stash some assets because you know Timshenko uh-huh. is under U.S. sanctions, under European sanctions. Right. Now you can funnel some of your money through the team. It's uh, but most most of it. I mean, what's forty-seven million dollars to Timchenko? He, he's worth fifteen billion. Yeah. By conservative estimates. Yeah. So I mean, it's a tax write-off for him. It's not a big deal. And he, it's it's yeah. a way for him to elevate his status to sure. be the boss of Russian hockey. That means a lot more to an average Joe than being the boss of a you know, natural gas company. On Twitter, Malamud said a lot of this has to do with fixing the playoffs to play out the way Putin would like them to. I asked Malamud if Putin is really such a big hockey fan, that this matters so much to him. Is he an active fan of Ska? Yeah, for sure. But he's yeah. more of a... To him, the national team is more important. So... Uh, the Olympics. Yeah, because that can be converted very easily into political capital. That's all he cares about, really. He never cared about hockey until about 2008, when the Russians won the world championship in, the, in Canada. And then he saw hockey as a good political vehicle. So for for him, it's nothing more than, uh, I mean, the national team is a very good project to latch on to and for photo ops. But how are you going to make a, a good national team? Well, he's just following the old uh, uh, Soviet uh, blueprint. You know, you have one club and you have the competition. You're going to stack with the best players, have them play each other with each other all year long. And then hopefully that chemistry provided, you know, delivers gold in the international championship, international tournaments. Uh, and which team is it going to be? Well, it's going to be his team from his city, obviously, the team that all of his buddies own. Yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of one flows from another. It's like I said in my tweet, you know, it's very difficult to separate the bosses of SKA and the bosses of the KHL and the bosses of Russia. Right. It's all the same group of people. If the KHL isn't about making money, and the elites are using the league as sort of a chessboard for teams in Moscow and St. Petersburg, where's the populism element here? How does Putin convert an uncompetitive hockey league into political capital? The last thing I asked Malamud was how the KHL justifies itself. Our new paradigm of the KHL is not going to be try to, you know, trying to outperform the NHL. It's not going to be to try to build a financially viable league. It's about being a feeding, uh, basically a feeder for the national team. It's about ensuring national team success. Just like we did in the Soviet days, 
And don't you guys enjoy the glory of the motherland? Yes, you uh-huh. do. Yes, you do. So let's let's all get on board with that. And right. who cares about whether it's whether the domestic championship is a sham? Nobody cares. As long as they win the gold. And hey, you know what? They won the gold. They beat the mighty Germans. <laughs> do you do you think that uh, I mean, what's your reading of sort of average fans? Like, do they are they bummed that they don't have a competitive uh, league in Russia, or are they are are they like what what you know the elite sort of expect? Are they just happy with the gold medals in these competitions? Oh, the fans, the fans who follow the KHL obviously aren't happy with this. Yeah. Are there many of them? Is it? I mean, is it a yeah, popular? Of course, yeah, okay. Of course, the entire city of Cherpovets is crazy about Severstal. The entire city of Magnitogorsk is crazy about Metalwork. Uh-huh. And they're all pre- preemptively decrying this because you know, how do we chance? We don't have a chance to compete. This is horrible. Right. But you know, it's, but and then again, they they all enjoy the the, the gold. Yeah. Because you, you pointed out in your tweet that part of this has to do with the fact that it's an election year, and so the notion of yeah. that we can celebrate, or Russians can celebrate the St. Petersburg Sky team's victory, and the fact that these same players won gold in South Korea, and that that's a rallying point. But I was just wondering if this sours fans in all the other towns. Is it? Act, I mean, is it? Does it backfire? Is it sort of like? Do you, do you no. think that it, no, that, that it's not? It's, no, Russians are very resigned to their fate that Putin's going to be there forever. No, I mean, they just don't right. see the alternative. Uh, they, it's been pounded into their heads over the last 18 years. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Slava Malamut, a sports writer for Sovetsky Sport and previously Sport Express's longtime foreign correspondent. You can find him on Twitter, where he shares enormously entertaining hockey commentary at Slava Malamud. I'll include a link to his account in the description of this episode. If you enjoyed this episode and you want to hear more like it, consider pledging a little cash to me on Patreon, where you can help me pay for SoundCloud Pro hosting and my audio equipment. Thanks very much for listening. Until next time. Говорят мы пеки буки, как выносит на земля. Дайте что ли карты в руки, погадать на короля. Ой-ля-ля, ой-ля-ля.